Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome back to Brooko Mode. In this episode, I'm joined by sibling duo Corey and Sanchia Watts. Corey is a waffle footballer and ceramicist, while Sanchia is a sound healer and coach, and they both recently started the Watts Wellness Podcast together. They are two very insightful and genuine guests. In this episode, expect to learn more about masculine and feminine energies, why men and women struggle with their natural energies, how men and women become wounded in their masculine and feminine energies, toxic masculinity, and the role of promoting positive masculinity, the role wounded energies play in modern relationships, how to find your healthy masculine and feminine energies, the role of emotion and experiencing your emotions without avoiding or distraction, plus so much more as we dive into their personal experiences and insights. Let's get into it. I didn't really know how to tell people what was happening. You've got to start living life. It's not going to last forever. If you've got something nice to say, say it. It's such a negative world. Why don't we start changing the way we talk? No, I've never been scared of dying. It's not judgment for curiosity. If you love yourself and the important people in your life love you, then that's all you really need. All right, Corey, Sancho, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. I was waiting for something. Waiting for jump in, yeah. No, I love it. No, unreal. Thanks for being here in the studio space. It's looking sick yeah. as well. So yeah, unreal. Um, so I guess the listeners give us a bit of a overview of your journey, and you guys are into the the well being space now. You got your own podcast. I guess give a little bit of your own personal journey and what I guess why you decided to start a podcast. Yeah, I guess I can jump in first with the journey. Um, pretty much I moved over to WA for football um, and dragged my sister along with me. We kind of had back and forth a little bit on the journey as well um, through the COVID period as everyone would have went through back and forth to Melbourne, um, but then finally landed in WA pretty permanently as well. Um, throughout that, I guess we had yeah some pretty big sort of spiritual awakenings within ourselves, and went through a fair bit of stuff that sort of led us into self-development and really wanting to work on ourselves um 
so I guess for me that was mainly around sort of my emotions and sort of headspace which yeah kind of led me into this rabbit hole of wellness and yeah trying to sort of get myself right first I suppose um and then yeah I guess that kind of has led now to wanting to give that back to people and it's sort of in a podcasting format so yeah it's been really fun Sanji yours is probably a little bit different Mm, we both kind of grew up with parents that were all about reading self-development books and like getting into Mm. this whole side of life I guess and I yeah came over with you at the start of 2020 and then went back to Melbourne and then I got stuck in Melbourne's lockdown for eight months and that was kind of like my big catalyst for holy moly there's some stuff that I've got to like dig up and deal with because it's it's right there now you can't go to a bar you can't go to a restaurant you really have no distractions you can't see your friends if they're outside your five kilometer radius like it was pretty full on and that kind of led me down the rabbit hole of going into holistic counseling, self-development books, all those rabbit holes and modalities that really help you to get through and work through any self-limiting beliefs or things that are holding you back. Um, But I'd also been attending sound healing back in Melbourne since I was 14. So we both grew up in Melbourne and we attended sound healings pretty regularly. Yeah, Uh, I had like this hippie friend at school and she dragged me along with her (laughs) mum and it was just the most insane experience ever. It brought up everything that I'd been suppressing throughout high school and I just got hooked on it and mm. loved it. So then moved to Perth at the end of 2020 and then there wasn't much sound healing here at the time so I bought the bowls for myself and then COVID kind of took off here again and then we started doing sound healings together mm. by the beach in Scarborough and everyone was rocking up with a yoga mat, a pillow and a blanket and it just took off from there and we are so grateful for it but I went on to do more sound healing and started sound healing Perth and this year we started a podcast called the what's wellness podcast and Mm. we're just all about spreading good vibes that help people to work through whatever they need to heal through and yeah we do it in those ways yeah I love that what's the do you the science sort of behind the um the sound healing because it's probably one of the only things in the self-development that probably haven't really explored yeah so the crystal quartz bowls emanate a frequency and it's the same concept as when you have like a wine glass and you run like your finger around the rim and there's a frequency that comes from that Mm. it's just that same concept on a bigger scale and the bowls really help to activate the parasympathetic nervous system so they get you out of that fight or flight response which helps with digestion anxiety depression sleep it's a beautiful way just to really recenter yourself and actually meditate. I think that's probably the thing with it is that it's kind of meditation made easy. You'll find sometimes with people when you get into a meditative state, it's kind of hard because there isn't a specific focus. It's kind of the whole point of meditation is just to allow stuff to come in and not really get too hung up on it. Whereas with sound healing, it kind of allows you to sort of focus on the sound and will sort of put you into that uh, mode itself, I suppose, that sort of meditative state. It kind of helps you to drop in and as well so yeah yeah pretty cool practice the fastest way just to like get beyond the mind and into the subconscious like it really does take you on a journey it's super relaxing you'll hear the frequencies in the body and through a process called entrainment your brain waves begin to sync up with the sound frequencies as well which puts you in that theta brainwave state which is also really relaxing yeah that's sick yeah. definitely have to explore that yeah check it out yeah, yeah. come on down for a session yeah it's a good way to just get a nap in as well if you that's it how big do you reckon suppression is then? Because I feel like that's definitely a problem that we have in society, especially around men. 
suppressing their emotions and sort of maybe not knowing how to express it. So I guess we're talking about sound now, but generally with our emotions, it's definitely something that men struggle with. Yeah, I think big time. Um, it's, as I mentioned before, probably one of the reasons like why I got into it. I think growing up through school and um, with sort of the male role models we had from back in the day and whatnot, I guess suppressing your emotions has become like quite a big thing for males in society. I, I guess you think of things that you get told as a kid, like, you know, toughen up or don't be a girl or whatever it is, like that sort of those sort of comments that sort of get made. And I think, yeah, you sort of get taught that emotion isn't healthy and it's not like part of being like a strong sort of male. Um, and it's probably what we're going to yeah dive into a little bit later, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I think it's such a big thing in society. So I guess sound healing and stuff linking with that, it's been sort of a good way for men, especially that have come down to be able to, step into that emotion because I think it's a hard thing as well when you're not brought up and taught how to sort of regulate your emotions and actually discuss stuff that's coming up within you. Um, it can be a really good way to do it without a lot of effort, I suppose. Mm. I think a lot of people are just scared of going into their emotions because they think if they feel those heavier emotions of sadness, grief, anger, like that really, really intense sadness that can come up sometimes when we've been suppressing a lot or anxiety or depression, it's kind of it's it's sort of scary to go into it because it's like will I ever get out of it when you're in it you're kind of worried that you won't come out the other side but it's kind of a little trick that the mind plays on us to sort of keep us in you know a productive state of being where we're not feeling and we're just doing and being human but once you do open up your emotional body and you feel through whatever you need to feel through you just feel so much lighter afterwards and like you'll always come out the other side of it always like every emotion is just shifting and changing. And I always say emotions are just energy in motion. Mm. They come up, they go, they change. No emotion's permanent, but we're just conditioned to suppress it and not express. Do you think there's no such thing as a bad emotion? Yeah, totally. There is no such thing as a negative emotion. There are heavy emotions, but I think when we label emotions as like positive and negative, it's sort of can make us feel even more shame when we are feeling negative emotions. And I use quotation marks because, you know, sadness, anxiety, depression, grief, they're not necessarily negative emotions. They don't feel great, but they're just heavier. They carry a lower vibrational frequency with them and they just need to come up and out to be shifted. Yeah, and done like effectively as well. I guess the thing that people would see is like negative stuff like rage or like really heavy sort of like shame and stuff. And a lot of the time it's due to people suppressing their emotions and not feeling like they can express it. So Mm. we've spoken about it once before, but when you have sort of like a bucket of emotions and you just keep on putting stuff in the bucket, but you're not emptying it, eventually it's just going to overflow completely and that's in the form of rage. So you hear stories about people that just went nuts and bloody king hit 10 people on a night out or whatever it is. And a lot of the time it's because they've suppressed so many different emotions and it's not the initial confrontation that's come up that sparked this just full on rage. It's all the other things behind the scenes that they've never sort of let out of their body. So So on Saturday we did this run around the river Mm. and me and my mate Jack and Tom, me and Jack were high-fiving everyone as we ran past, like complete strangers and stuff. Anyways... Jack was sort of a bit on the other side of the lane because there was three of us running and he was probably a tiny bit over. Anyways, this bike rider comes along and not a like professional bike rider but just on his mountain bike saying and starts absolutely abusing us. Like, yeah, wow. Like hosing us like, you fucking idiot. Yeah, like get out of the bike. The hell, yeah. But do you think he's clearly wouldn't be that angry mm. with what happened then? So 
an example like that, someone like that, I, I put sympathy towards that person because yeah, clearly, yeah. clearly they don't have like emotional management or they're not able to express their emotions consistently in their life. So I guess linking back to what you're saying, how do we, how do men sort of like, how can we, I guess not just men, but how do we express our emotions consistently throughout the day and not just suppress them? What are sort of some practical tips? Yeah, yeah. I think obviously practice is the main one. I think you can't sort of just have tools that I'm probably going to share in a moment and just expect to be able to use them willy-nilly. Like it's stuff that takes time to be able to get good at and to be able to regulate your emotions. It's like anything. Um, So I guess some of the tools that you could probably use is – but anger, like, the thing is, it's like anger everyone gets, I think, a bit funny about and they think it's a bad emotion to actually, like, come up. And they go, oh, you shouldn't be angry. Like, that's negative. But it's quite a natural, like, human response. Like, you see animals and stuff in the wild, like lions and tigers and things like that. After they have a fight, like, they kick out emotion. Like, it's anger within them. So anger, you just need to get out of the body, like, and do it in, like, a healthy way. For instance, I sometimes yell in the car or I'll jump in my pool and just start screaming to get anger out of my body by expressing that in a healthy way. And then learning to like regulate it as well. So understanding when anger is an appropriate response to have and when it's probably not, it's more something that you're frustrated about. So the guy on the bike is clearly someone that just lets their anger kind of take control. Maybe he's letting like other stuff come out and then it pours out in an outburst. But if he was able to actually check in with himself and regulate his responses by having a think about it, like he might be able to Mm. do that more effectively. Yeah. Like some tools on that. Yeah. That circumstance that you just talked about, it's, it's obviously not ideal, but in that instance, you're talking about the reaction, which is negative. It's not necessarily the emotion that's negative. So when you can become consciously aware of the emotions that you're suppressing and you can have a healthy outlet so that they come out consciously rather than coming out unconsciously in the way that it happened with that guy, it creates such a big shift. And I think, yeah, releasing anger, sacred rage is so important. Like, creating a safe space where you're alone no one else is around you just punch a pillar or you scream into a pillar or you scream underwater Mm. anger is allowed to be there and we shouldn't feel shame for feeling angry it comes up when it shows you a boundary is being crossed and you need to just let it out mindfully i wrote a really early blog post like six months ago about how when you're in as a child growing up like often it's the reaction that gets negatively conditioned Mm. because like it's like how that emotion was how the person reacted to that emotion was negative and they get criticised or condemned for how they reacted and then it conditions the person that, okay, I can't feel this emotion. Mm. So then they learn to suppress that emotion. Yeah, definitely. But it's just, like you said, it's a reaction that we don't like. Yeah. So it's, I guess, I guess that's the hardest thing, isn't it, to uncondition yourself um, and, and learn to not, I guess, hate the emotion or like dis like the emotion yeah. but it's mm. understanding how to react in in the right way yeah, yeah i think it's like it sort of comes back to that if your bucket's like completely full you're never going to be able to actually regulate the emotions that are coming in whereas if you can do it in a safe space and empty your bucket from time to time like that guy on the bike has probably never expressed his anger or the stuff that's coming up at an appropriate time so now just whenever the, he gets angry it's just an outpour of emotion like straight away Whereas if he maybe like stepped back into a safe space or somewhere that where he felt comfortable and was able to let that emotion out and just scream into a pillow in the privacy of his home, he's got room in his bucket then to be able to actually regulate those emotions when it comes in to be able to sort of control that and push mm. it back. But 
yeah, I guess it's it's yeah. so ancestral as well. Like I feel yeah. like this ties into what you were saying. Like if you've grown up in a household where you've seen, you know, your father react to everything mm. and become aggressive all the time, or your mum, um, like growing up with that, it's just going to teach you that that's how you should respond to those situations, and it almost gives the ego an identity to be angry about something. Mm. So many people love to be angry because it gives them a sense of purpose almost. Mm. And as soon as you unpack that and realize, like, oh, my ego just wants to have something to be upset about, like you can shift a lot just through having that awareness. I guess tying this all back to your sort of area of expertise into like the masculine and feminine energies, I'm interested, I feel like there's a big misconception that men only have masculine, or some people believe this, like men are only masculine and women should only be feminine. Mm. Um, I guess I'm interested in a little overview of like the energies and sort of how your take on like men and women expressing their energies. Yeah, so everyone has masculine and feminine energy within them. And I think, yeah, there is a huge misconception that like men should be manly all the time. And like, that's so not true. Like, obviously men are allowed to be soft and they're allowed to be nurturing and they can relax and let go. They don't always have to lead. But when they are in their masculine energy, they're just going to feel really embodied and full of purpose. Like if you can step into your masculine energy as a man, you'll just feel so much more pride and confidence behind you. Same with women. Yes, we have masculine energy that gets us up and moving. It's the thing that helps us, you know, get the house chores done and be proactive and go to work. And I think we also need to learn though as women, like we need to soften back into our feminine energy and get good at just relaxing and chilling out and doing nothing and just being. Masculine energy is doing and feminine energy is being. That's what I kind of tell people. Yeah, I had a really good conversation actually with a mate sort of on this point the other day who had rung, uh, had rung me after he'd had to listen to one of our episodes that we were sort of um, discussing this about. And he sort of said, you know, like I feel like there's so many cases where I am feminine and like it kind of like really triggered me. Like I mm-hmm. felt like it wasn't, you know, and he sort of asked the sort of same thing, like can you be feminine and masculine? I said... It's not about like that you're one all the time. Like Mm. nobody is just purely masculine as a male like their whole life. Um, And I said to him like there's moments without the day that you won't want to lead or you won't want to protect or you won't want to provide. Like there's moments when you sort of want to come back and step away from that. And that's actually okay. Like it's pretty a normal response. But I think it's mainly just coming back to that predominantly of the time that's kind of what's going to make you feel good in life. And I don't know, everything's yin and yang. Like you've got to have a balance of the energies. Totally. You can't just have one or you're going to be feeling out of balance as well. Yeah, like we all need goals as well to work towards. And some people would probably say that's more yang masculine energy to like have a goal. Feminines would probably say like, oh, there's an intention maybe. Mm. (laughs) But I think it's important for everyone to have goals in life and things that they're striving towards. And obviously that is kind of a little bit more masculine. Mm. But yeah, I think it's really important to highlight like everyone has masculine and feminine energy within them and that's okay. But just learn which one you kind of resonate more with or you want to be associated with and just try and embody that energy a little bit more on the day-to-day. Where does male emotional suppression come from? Is it excessive masculinity and an inability to tap into their um, feminine side and express their emotions? Or mm. is emotional expression, is that feminine? Is Nah, so uh, that's the thing. It's I, just human. It's just human, but 
you know, for me, part of being like healthy masculine is being able to regulate your emotions and express emotions healthily. I think being reactive as a male is what I would consider sort of toxic masculinity, someone that's quite aggressive and quite not controlled in their responses. And I, and I guess that's probably what I would highlight as sort of toxic masculinity. Um, but yeah, healthy masculine is very much about being able to regulate your emotions and, you know, not being reactive, being able to process what's going on in front of you. For instance, if someone makes me really angry, it's not lashing out and just throwing a punch, it's being able to sort of process that anger and, you know, respond in an according way. Mm. Um, so I think it probably more comes from just what we spoke about before, just probably, I guess we can, it's sort of wounded masculine, which can tend to be around, you've seen someone within your life that you've thought is what masculine energy is, which could be that abusive father. Or it could be the a friend that just used to not have a filter or be able to control like what was going on. And you kind of start to believe as a young child that that's what masculine is. And it pushes you away from it a bit and pushes you away from being able to express emotions. If you had a father figure or someone in your life growing up that really taught you the ways of regulating and the ways of being able to express your emotions healthily, you wouldn't feel that within your life and you'd be actually quite good at that yourself. We have imprint periods and all sorts of stuff when we're young toddlers and young childs that we retain a lot of information. We learn a lot from the people that are around us. So I think it mainly just comes back to sort of what we're taught when we're sort of young children. And, stuff. Mm. and I think the examples in the world as well. I think this sort of way of thinking of what appropriate masculinity is and appropriate feminine is has only really start to come to the surface in the last five or ten years maybe yeah. and it's not really something that's been spoken about a whole lot so mm. i think the examples of what it sort of looks like is pretty new to us all and we're kind of just starting to get the hang of it now yeah i think so mm. i think you know there's light and dark in every situation we're in a world where duality is existing everywhere and there's obviously the healthy feminine and masculine energy and then there's the wounded feminine and masculine energy and if you've grown up seeing a lot of wounded feminine energy or wounded masculine energy, it can kind of put you into the opposite energy that you're actually mm. not typically normally in. So, for example, like most females predominantly are aligned with feminine energy at their core, but obviously it's quite a masculine world. Everyone, most people work a nine to five and we've been learned. We learned that like we have to like be in survival mo mode to survive and like be very masculine sometimes. And so a lot of us women experience wounded masculine energy as well growing up. And so that pushes us into our own masculine energy to try and almost fight it and shield ourselves from it. We think we can sort of like fight fire with fire subconsciously. And so a lot of females go into their masculine energy to sort of keep all men out and have that theory of like all men are bad. And it goes the other way as well. Like a, a lot of men have experienced wounded feminine energy and now they can kind of become either a wounded masculine or they become quite passive and feminine just to sort of try and soften everything. So it, it flows both ways. It's so complex, like super multifaceted, but really interesting. Can, can we get a bit of insight into what behaviours would look like for like wounded masculine and feminine? Yeah, so I guess wounded masculine is probably going to look, there's probably two flip sides to it. So there's probably the toxic masculinity, which I sort of spoke about a little bit before, which is, yeah, I guess the bad rap that masculinity gets, I guess, a lot of the time on social media. So you think about some of the influences on there, but a lot of the time they're sort of the ones that are, um, it's not leading, it's more like telling people what to do, like being quite aggressive with that, um, overly like arrogant um, I would say bad commitment issues, untrustworthy, 
sort of that side of things. And then you kind of have the side that steps into sort of the wounded masculine a little bit more, which is where they become a little bit feminine and it can be due to a, a bunch of different things. It can be, as I said before, having the probably not the quite the right role models for what masculine energy is, or they can also be experiencing a female that has wounded feminine energy. And then because it's all yin and yang, if your female partner is stepping more into a masculine, a lot of the time you're then going to become more feminine in that. It just kind of balances out that way. Mm. Um, especially if you last together as like a couple, mm. you'll either break up or you'll stay together and you'll kind of flip energies in a weird way and it can happen that way. And then that's going to look like the male being probably quite passive, um, quite agreeable, not really leading, not really protecting and not really providing. So it sort of steps back into that energy the other way, I suppose. Which then creates like a lot of resentment for women because it's like, oh, I'm the only one that takes out the garbage. I'm the only one that does the dishes. Like Mm. because they've taken on that masculine role of doing and like doing everything, there's no space for like the masculine to step up and actually help. (laughs) Like Mm. a lot of women will complain that like their partner doesn't do enough and it's like, well, it's because you're doing everything. There's no room for him to do anything. So once you can flip the energies back and recognize, oh, I have been in my masculine a lot lately, and then you can change, there's actually space for him to step up then. And I think for your question, like to answer the wounded side of feminine energy, obviously there's toxic feminine energy too. I think they kind of go hand in hand. It's a woman that can get kind of manipulative or really jealous or vindictive or really insecure and they just don't have a healthy way of expressing boundaries or they're disconnected from their intuition as well um there's a whole lot that comes under the wounded aspects but it's interesting once you dive into it there's a lot there how do wounded energies sort of play out for attraction in the dating market yeah that's a huge huge question because if <laughs> if you've grown up like seeing a slightly toxic relationship as your example of what love looks like, you'll actually seek that out in partners. What was that sorry last? So if you've grown up like seeing you know kind of a toxic relationship be displayed to you, you're going to actually seek that out in partners because it feels familiar and comfortable, mm. and you think that's safe. And a lot of people think like attraction is kind of unpredictable and exciting and fun and like it can blur the lines a little bit between like a healthy connection and a toxic connection it should like I always say to people if it's a healthy relationship and it's a healthy date like you won't have questions there won't be that like weird space of like oh what did he think what's coming next like you won't have the question marks it'll be really quite obvious and grounded but that can feel boring for people And then they're like not into it because it was so safe and secure and they're used to sort of seeing like that toxic energy in relationships and so there's no excitement because there's no unknown. Mm. Why do they seek – why do people seek out – I see this a lot like there'll be some sort of like trauma Mm. in a relationship but then they continue to seek the sort of similar patterns. Yeah. Is that to do with the energies? can be sometimes. I think – You've got to sort of look at, I guess, I saw a quote on this the other day, but or a definition, I suppose, but the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So if you haven't done the work on yourself mm. and you haven't worked on sort of that energy within yourself and you haven't sort of looked at your masculinity, I'm talking as obviously as a male here, but you haven't looked at your masculinity and the bits that are missing, you're going to keep attracting the female partner that's making up for the masculinity that you're not expressing. So... 
you know, it's that yin and yang again. Like I'm always going to keep attracting the same sort of energy that I need in my life mm. if I'm not filling in the gaps myself. Yeah. So I haven't worked on like leading. I'm going to attract a woman that keeps leading for me and creating the issues there. Mm. I haven't worked on like providing. I'm going to always have a woman that's stepping into my life that's wanting to provide and be that provider. It's kind of that energy balancing out, I suppose. Mm. It definitely intersects with like attachment styles as well. Mm. I don't know if you know much about them, but it's like you've got the secure attachment style, the anxious attachment style and the avoidant attachment style. And Disorganised? Yes, disorganised, avoidant as well. Yeah. So there's like a few different attachment styles that definitely play into wounded and healthy feminine and masculine energy. Um but yeah, that was a good example you gave then, Corey. I liked it. Do you know much yeah. about that attachment styles and energies? Because I reckon that's a massive space I'm like exploring yeah. is the attachment styles. And is it... I th- yeah, I think if you're like a wounded masculine, I'm just going to speak from experience. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's actually probably the best way to learn. Yeah. Like, yeah. All this stuff that we talk about, it's heavy. I always know, know it the best when it's a personal. Yeah, yeah. I think... <laughs> in my personal experience like when i've witnessed wounded masculine energy there's normally typically sometimes an anxious or an anxious avoidant or an avoidant attachment style behind that normally though i've experienced the avoidant where they sort of push you away they're a bit cold um you don't know where you stand and you're just left with the question marks once again if there's a secure attachment style there like i said before the question marks won't really exist you just know where you stand with that person and it's clear Mm. but i think we've all been so conditioned growing up in movies and you know through tv programs and tv shows that are still playing today like we literally almost idolize toxic relationships like if you look at big brother Love Island, all these all these TV shows that are used for entertainment that are literally glorifying like cheating or like having multiple connections with multiple people and just being shady and it's just such an interesting world that we live in mm. and once we can all become aware of like that healthy masculine and feminine energy and strive towards that, it'll change a lot. Yeah, big time. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, what we see on TV and what's pushed upon us is because it's interesting and it creates it kind of goes away from like our primary like human like mm. response i suppose um but yeah it's such a big thing um such so creates the narrative of what relationships should be but it's definitely not what they should be at yeah all. and i think i always say to people like if this is stirring up a lot because it is quite a heavy topic like just coming back to compassion will change a lot if you can just be gentle with yourself and realize mm. yeah i have experienced a lot of trauma or i've seen really unhealthy relationships and these patterns have kept repeating for me like maybe it is time to start doing some work on yourself and start to heal through those things because mm. then you break the cycle and you'll eventually attract healthy partners. Yeah, definitely. So if do you feel like if you have that secure attachment style and that sort of you're tapped into your sort of energy more, you're more likely to attach a secure person? Yeah, I think so. Like if if I'm in my feminine energy but... I want to be clear, like feminine energy can be viewed as sometimes weak sometimes or really over-emotional. That's probably the wounded side of it as well. If I'm connected to that healthy feminine energy where I'm flowing, I'm being, I'm nurturing, I'm caring, I'm intuition, I'm into my intuition and like listening to it, I definitely attract like a healthy masculine when I'm in those states Mm. typically. It's like vibrational as well. Um, 
you know, you, everyone emits like a vibrational frequency within them. Um, it goes down to like a scientific level where your electrons and protons within your cells and stuff will be bouncing around and it's all a frequency. So um, emotions like shame and real heavy emotions, they lower your vibration. So when you're out of that alignment, I guess, as a, a masculine male, you're not regulating your emotions, you're carrying a lot of them. Your vibration is a lot lower. And we often will attract vibrational matches in partners. So if your vibration's low, you're going to attract someone that's probably having a lot of the same issues, a lot of the same beliefs. Whereas when we can raise it by expressing our emotions, getting rid of them, doing the work on ourselves, raising our vibration, you'll start attracting the partners in your life that you actually want to have. What about when the, I guess the energies within yourself in a relationship change over time? Mm. And how does that play out in relationships? If someone does self-work or... I guess energies with mood, like because it's like you said, it's not just like you're always masculine, always feminine. You're gonna, t- as a man, you tap into your feminine and vice versa. Mm. So how does that sort of dynamic play out in the day to day relationship? Yeah, it's yeah, an interesting one. Yeah, I I think the first thing that came to mind with that was it's important to remember and note as well. Like if you are a male and you're in a relationship, you've got to be able to know what your feminine energy feels like because you'll never understand your partner otherwise and so like doing the work in that sense of just being aware of your own feminine energy and your own emotions as a male gives you the capacity to hold space for your partner when they're in that emotional feminine flowing state if a man is trying to be in a relationship and they can't process or feel their emotions it's gonna be really hard for you to understand and help your partner process theirs in a way Mm. and just hold space for them to do that thing is you're like working through it as well um if you're working on yourself and like i guess the dynamic you're talking about is if you sort of outgrow but communication is like a massive one with any relationship mm-hmm. like goes beyond probably what we're talking a bit about now but if you can just communicate what's happening within you and sort of ask them for the help that you need because maybe you've become a lot more masculine and you want to feel like you can lead and she's stepping into that like just talk about it and be able to discuss it and say you know like i want that to sort of be more of my role and I want you to allow yourself to be led and that could be because there's a disconnect with her feminine energy but she'll either grow with you or you mm. sort of feel that disconnect and that's just life sometimes I think as well and that's but I wouldn't say to people like work on yourself and if they don't just give up like it's not that <laughs> yeah. at all but um, yeah talk it through and yeah work it out a bit I reckon yeah like at the end of the day I think with relationships it's important to remember you're two separate people and you're putting your time energy and effort into the relationship rather than like becoming the relationship and becoming codependent, keeping your individual identities and still like nurturing your relationship together will just help you to still remain independent in a way. Because I think a lot of relationships can become really codependent and then it's like, well, I'm doing the work and you're not doing the work, so we're not aligned anymore. And sometimes that happens, yeah. But other times if you can just come back to yourself and work on yourself, it might inspire them to eventually take the journey of healing but you can't force anyone to do that I've learned along the way <laughs> <laughs> so you just have to give space and if you realize we're just not matched anymore because I have ascended or I've moved into a different area and it means our values are different now it's okay to like step away from that I think how does because communication is a big one I feel like pretty much most relationship problems come down to a lack of communication so how does going into our energies just important? Because I feel like as a man, like like there could be like that wounded masculine 
play out for, for a lack of communication. Yeah, definitely. I think going to your energies makes a big difference because the big ticket one for both energies is uh, being able to express your emotions healthily. And the one that comes for that for me is vulnerability. And vulnerability is the big one that you need to have to be able to have those conversations and to be able to put stuff on the floor and on the table, in my opinion. Mm. Um, if you can't be vulnerable and you can't get to that point, then you're never going to be able to have the tough conversations and say the things you want to say and it's going to get a bit messy. So I think when you can dive in your energy and you can learn to regulate your emotions and be able to express that healthily, it's going to allow that dynamic to come and you're going to allow yourself to be able to feel that way. Vulnerability is huge. Brene Brown, she's an amazing psychologist that did a lot of work on this. Um, Vulnerability will change your life. Like when you're feeling really uncomfortable and you don't want to talk about what you're feeling, that's when you need to lean in even harder and become even more open and vulnerable. And people will eventually learn to hold space for that. But I think people can only meet you at the depth that they've met themselves at as well. Mm. And so I also believe that like, relationships aren't necessarily there to make us happy but instead they're there to make us conscious like they're going to mirror and reflect everything within you that maybe you still need to heal or work on but they should also be fun too like you got to have the balance the other thing too is i guess the energies provide um values within us as well so as a male it allows me to act off leading protecting and providing you've heard me say it a lot but they're then values that you can live aligned to, which then is going to create confidence within yourself. So when you can live aligned to your values, you obviously then start creating evidence and it kind of gives you a framework for what makes you feel good in life. Now, they might not be your only three values and they might step a bit outside. I know some minor enjoyment and commitment and things like that. But when I can do things that help me to live aligned to my values, it then creates the confidence and then confidence allows me to get vulnerable as well mm. to be able to then discuss what I need to discuss because I can fall back on it and I can feel comfortable in myself. Yeah, I feel like men, there's a lot of lack of clarity of like who they want to be. Mm. And like, like you said, the values are a good framework for, I guess, decision-making and accountability for your actions. Um, so I guess with the vulnerability... Why do you think it's so hard for men especially to be vulnerable? I think it's probably what's painted in society a little bit. Um, I think at times men sharing their emotions can be frowned upon a little bit. Um, it's been probably, we've highlighted before, that expressing like things like sadness or stuff like that has been viewed as weak in the past and it's been, yeah, kind of, I guess, pushed upon us that it's not a good thing for a man to sort of show those sort of emotions. And I guess vulnerability a lot of the time comes up around shame or guilt and things that are kind of heavy Mm. and can create outbursts of sadness and crying and things like that, which are all healthy things. But yeah, I think it's really a societal thing. I think it's getting better. I think we talk about it a lot more. Things like your podcast is a good example of it, um, where men are starting to have the conversations a lot more. But I think it's just one of those things that it's still frowned upon, you know, schoolboy schoolboy culture is another big one that, you know, your mates are always trying to, you know, tease you about shit or whatever it is in high school and, you know, they'll be sometimes the first ones to not be very supportive. I know it's not always the case with everyone, but, yeah, there's always that sense of wanting to be cool, wanting to fit in, mm. not wanting to differ and talk about this stuff and I think it probably needs to be changed from a younger age, I feel, to be able to start getting to that point where men can feel that way. But I guess the message is that it's more than welcomed and it needs to be. Yeah, it's so important to send that message out. I think back in the day when we weren't alive, (laughs) but back in the day, like, you know, prehistoric times, like 
caveman era, you had to fit in and belong to a group in order to survive. Mm. And throughout school, we are kind of conditioned and we learn like, oh, we've got to fit in in order to survive in a way. And a lot of us do just try and keep it cool and try to, yeah, keep a lid on everything because we just want to present as our best selves 24-7. But I think we need to normalise it. Like everyone has good and bad days and it's okay to feel through your emotions. I always say through feeling comes healing. Yeah, I reckon that's the one as well. Like if you can place yourself at the front of your school assembly and just imagine yourself crying and what sort of emotion that would create within you. Like there is no way I would want to do that at my school. And that's the issue really. Like when it comes down to it, like that's the issue that it doesn't feel comfortable to be able to express that in front of people. And if we could solve that, that would be such a big step. Mm, Because 40% of men haven't spoken about their mental health, Mm. which is unbelievable. I feel like it's going to be a change that takes decades yeah, like it's especially when we talk about it being from a modeling standpoint then it's going to be like this generation is going to have to model it to the future generation to sort of change society i kind of want to throw out a question to like all the females out there listening <laughs> i don't know how many females listen to your podcast i'm sure if you do <laughs> but like i think as well with men expressing emotion i think Females actually, I'm going to be really honest and rip the band-aid off. I think a lot of them get really uncomfortable with it mm. because we are conditioned to think that, oh, men should always be strong and empowered. And like, just ask yourself if you're a woman listening, like, how do you actually respond when men do open up and show emotion to you? Mm. If you do get uncomfortable with it, like that's something that you need to work on and actually unpack the conditioning that we have that men have to have it all together all the time. Because some women just actually don't know what to do. I know that some women freeze when men cry. That's really true. They really don't know what to do. I went to a breathwork circle not long ago. Yeah. Within that, like, I had a lot of emotion coming up and was actually quite, like, audibly, like, yelling and, like, then a lot of emotion, like, crying and stuff. And after the session, a couple of ladies in the room said it was actually really hard to, like, hear that from a male. Like, it's not something I'm very comfortable with and... Because it's yeah. so rare, yeah. honestly, to like see a man healthily expressing his emotions to you. It's mm. so rare. It's like quite foreign. And of course, that's going to make you a bit uncomfortable. But the more that it happens, the easier it will get. And I think, yeah, it will take a few years for this to flip. But I think mm. already so much change has occurred. And like the proof is like this podcast, for example, and our podcast and people really waking up and doing the work and I think it's getting easier, but yeah, it's going to take a while to unpack the conditioning. There's some ancestral stuff there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even in relationships, a man's going to get, if he's with a sort of a wounded feminine energy and mm. and the person he's trying to become a partner sort of has that awkward response, doesn't know how to react or receive the vulnerability, mm. then that further conditions like the men. I've seen that in my and people around me sort of, journeys like they and then what happens is they think oh then like i can't i can't express my emotions and it sort of just pushes them further down the suppression rabbit hole yeah Yeah, big time and we learn from past experiences but i think it's also important to know that like history doesn't always repeat and some people say that it does i think that's like something that comes up quite a lot like oh history always repeats itself but it actually doesn't in your own personal experience once you do the work you won't have those patterns repeating anymore because you will have healed and transformed through them. I think once you're aware of it as well, like once you become aware of an issue, often you'll start attracting in what it actually is that you now want to focus on. A lot of the time, like if you ask someone after they come out of a toxic relationship, like what sort of relationship do you want? They'd actually struggle to tell you Mm. because they're not really ready to actually jump into what it is that they want. They don't know what it feels like to actually 
be in a positive relationship and how that actually looks to them. So once you can kind of get clear on that, I think that makes a big difference as well. But we're just not taught any of this stuff in school. Like mm. how do how do we know how to process emotions or hold space for someone? Mm. I I don't think some people would even know what holding space means. It literally means sitting here like this. Say Corey was crying. It's like me just sitting here being present, no phone, <laughs> just being super aware and just mindful that like he's going to express emotion and that's okay and I'm here if you need to hug or support. Like mm. holding space in that sense is just being present and allowing that person the space to open up. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we speak so much about being vulnerable, being open, mm. but it's almost more importantly is, is how the, the person listening receives it. And mm. I feel like we there is a bit of information, like a bit of talk about how to open up, mm. but there isn't really much information and education on how to receive yeah vulnerability and like you said hold space yeah Mm. you have to protect your energy as well because obviously I work as a sound healer now and a lot of people come to me and they do open up about issues that they're going through and you you can get really good at holding space for people and listening and being empathetic but at the end of the day you also have to try your best not to take it on because otherwise you're gonna overflow with your own bucket if it's already kind of full and you haven't tipped out those buckets of emotions and then someone else tells you more stuff, it can just overflow your own and you'll eventually lead to burnout or is that, is reaction. That, is that empathy fatigue? Is yeah, that what you're f- yeah, empathy fatigue is definitely a thing, I think. Something mm. I've definitely gone through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, can definitely play a role. I think, though, like holding space is such a big one. I think in the men sort of field as well, I think mm. women are good at it, like talking to each other and having chats about it. I know that's a bit of a stereotype, mm. but I think it is somewhat true. Um, but I think for males, like the conversation – can't remember who it was. It was a soccer team that's released a great video on like mental health and it's two guys sitting in the oh, stand and yeah, 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 one of them is like cheering every in each of the clips and like getting around the team. The other one's kind of sitting there quite sad. And then the next clip is, you know, the guy that was cheering quite loudly isn't there anymore and the guy puts a scarf and the t- caption is mental health doesn't always look the way that you think mm. it will. And it's so true. Like, so just checking in with your mates and stuff is such a big one, like asking someone and actually – and how many times do we ask someone, like, how are you? And, like, you don't actually care. Like, you couldn't care less what the answer is. We're so conditioned to go, hey, how are you? But you actually Good don't. Thanks. Good, thanks. How You're are good. you? Yeah, not bad. How you we going? How are you going? Yeah, <laughs> but we don't actually, like, dive and go, no, nah, like, seriously, like, how are you going at the moment? Like, is everything all good? Like, are you actually feeling good? Like, yeah. We don't do that This enough. happens at a sound yeah. healing all the time. It's stuff like, hey, how are you? They're like, yeah, good. At the end, I'm like, how are you? And they're like, oh, yeah, I've actually really been dealing with a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. they yeah. soften Amazing. afterwards. So I think sometimes just taking a mindful moment to actually like really investigate a little bit. And yeah, find out. but like in that instance as well, people are only really aware of what they've been processing once they've had time to slow down and feel it. Mm. Like at the start of the sound healing, everyone's autopilot. They've just been driving. They've parked the car. They're in there. It's like, yeah, good. Then afterwards they've had it had time to relax and let go a little bit. And then they're like, oh, I've actually been going through quite a lot and I need to give myself mm. some credit and express this. Mm. But that's why I advocate for meditation and, yeah, get comfortable Probably being yeah. uncomfortable and listening to what's going on. Yeah, because I feel like this, the social script is massive. Like mm. where it's, mm. it's sort of like uh, these schemas or frameworks that we think things are going to happen and we don't actually consciously think about or being genuine with it. And we're like 95% of our decisions every day are made by the subconscious. But we, like I said, that's why meditation's probably really important saying i probably need to tap more into it's just because mm. we're so on autopilot and to be fair to some extent we need to be because it's it's too mentally taxing for every single tiny 
decision to be to be made consciously, but we can't live our emotional life on autopilot, can we? No, definitely not. I think I had an interesting conversation with a mate of mine who's actually really religious and one of the interesting things that I found with them that's quite relevant to what we're talking about, but they don't tend to experience the same things with like anxiety and all those emotions that come up because they actually have set times for like prayer and confession and to be able to actually chat in their community. So a lot of the stuff that they're going through, they actually share with one another quite frequently. And that's probably the growth for just a Western sort of society in general to be able to chat more. And as we said, like go in and actually ask people like, how are you? Like, do we, let's chat. Like, let's talk about what's going on. Even if it's good stuff, like mm. let's get normalize having these conversations and going a bit deeper than just how you going. It, it gets easier. Like the more that you practice doing it, the easier it gets. But obviously you only want to open up to people that can be respectful and mm. compassionate you don't really want to open up to those people that are just like, oh, suck it up, get over it, move on. Like if you've been conditioned to have that response growing up, like you won't really want to talk about your feelings because mm. no one's really listening. No. So you really want to like, you know, find a tribe of people that can really help you with whatever you're going through and listen. Have you guys found that with friend groups and I guess doing a lot of self-growth work yourself? Have you outgrown people? And I guess is there sort of a push-pull yeah, I think definitely outgrowing people is a big one. Like I spoke a little bit before around when you sort of raise your vibration and stuff, you become not a vibrational match to some people. And I don't think that's like anything against them. Like I don't hold any like whatever towards them, but animosity is the word I was looking for. But um, yeah, like I think you definitely do outgrow people and outgrow circles. I think as you emotionally develop, like, yeah, you can be the same age as someone, but you can be on a different emotional level to people completely. Um, so I find now, like, a lot of my mates are a lot older than me. That's just something that's been a bit of a trend, especially since moving to WA, and that can be just a maturity thing or an emotional level. But, yeah, I think there's definitely changes when you start doing the work with your sort of friendship circles and you kind of have to find the people within that that match you and that you feel good talking to. And yeah, mm. You've been through it as well. Oh, yeah, I've gone through so many friendship groups growing up like I feel like yeah I, I'm we move schools quite a lot as well and so I was constantly like making new friends leaving friends um and just learning how to shape shift and remold myself to fit in and then yeah I think it can be tricky to have friendships with people that haven't become aware of what they're carrying because they're constantly going to project everything and it's it can be draining to be around those people. So I literally just live by that motto. Like after I've been around a group of people, have I felt depleted in energy after leaving them or have I felt like recharged and rebooted? Mm. And like, it's been almost inspiring. Like I'll gravitate towards those people now. One of the, sure. one of the big ones as well is I think once I got really clear on my values is when I really started to be able to navigate what people I wanted in my life or the people that I didn't. Because once I knew the values that made me feel good as a person and made me feel good in life, anyone that wasn't helping me to achieve those values, I probably was starting to yeah move away from because why would I detriment my own health and my own well-being and how I'm feeling just to be friends with someone that's actually going against like the things that I stand for or really hold in a higher regard in my life. So I think it kind of happens naturally. Um, mm. And I think you sometimes have to be a little bit selfish with that because at the end of the day, like you're within your own vessel and yeah if someone's not serving you you kind of need to you know have the chats and talk about it and tell them the issues but after a while there comes a point where you've got to protect yourself and protect your own energy and i think that just kind of is a natural thing in life at times 
What have you found with all this stuff being in footy environment? Because mm. I reckon there's definitely probably a lot of wounded masculine <laughs> in, in footy yeah. circles. No, I think big time. Um, uh. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, <laughs> to be fair, like a lot of this sort of growth, like, and me speaking about it has come in the off season. So we're actually, you know, <laughs> we're actually coming back into it um, tomorrow. So it'll be interesting to have some chats with some people there. But yeah, the football environment's a big one. I think uh, growing up and probably only until about three years ago, I very much just conformed into it and was very much accepting of the way it was and probably expressed a lot of toxic masculinity, really. Um, but I think now once I've started to sort of find my own values and sort of go through it, pretty like good at saying like no to certain things and just standing my ground and viewpoints on stuff. But mm. it's a challenging environment. I think the sporting environment in general is tricky because there's a lot of ego, ego mm. especially, and just a lot of toxicity within it in the way that we express things. Um and, you know, what Sanchez spoke about before with media is a big one and how we put people on pedestals and sort of express stuff around their values. It's just all quite messy at times. So I think you've got to be pretty strong within yourself to then not get sucked into it. And, yeah, there's definitely times when it gets outcast as well. I have no doubt when I step onto a footy field this year, I'm going to cop some sort of backlash around the stuff that I've been speaking about. But mm. at the end of the day, that's because they're not actually comfortable with the things that we're speaking about they've probably got some own issues of their own and everyone's yeah. just projecting yeah and that's yeah. just life but yeah it's definitely tricky it's a tricky one to navigate but it's one of the things that i want to get better in sport and yeah hopefully do some work in eventually because something's got to improve yeah because it's a hard one because in the team sports is the expectation to mm. be like team but it's almost like if you're saying no to these things you're it's almost you might be scared that they think you're trying to be not part of the team yeah. just because you're standing firm with values that aren't really relevant to the football game but internally there's a fear of fear yeah. of judgment yeah big time i think i think the thing that's been actually kind of in my favor is a bit is that i started as one of the lads a little bit and doing the same things as them but probably over the last i've been at east perth now for five years i've actually moved away from that but i actually have been accepted for that at my club and it's one of the things i really value within them Sure, there's still some people that go, you know, oh, like you don't you don't drink anymore or anything, and you used yeah, to don't drink or do any of that. Don't really go out anymore. Um, just not really part of my culture or stuff anymore. But yeah, that's probably started to be accepted. But I do wonder if I came into a club like that and was very much around that, how it would have gone down. Well, that's, that's been, what I'm going to be doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. going into that because yeah, I don't sure. I don't drink. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I think I think it's getting better again. I think if this was the 1980s and I came in mm. as a guy like that, I would probably not be at the club anymore. So <laughs> I think it's getting better um, through conversations, as we said. But it's definitely a tough environment and. Again, it's because a lot of people just don't know better. You, that's what you expect is when you go into a footy environment and a lot of guys just conform to that and it's yeah, taught upon us, I suppose. I feel like from my experiences, like I'd l I was at North Beach mm. last couple of years and it was hard because with alcohol, like I didn't really want to drink, but there was the pressure. And I went mm. through a period this year, I did like, um, I didn't drink for pretty much the whole season. and But the one thing I've noticed is you can't, take yourself you shouldn't just take yourself out of the environment just mm. because or remove yourself from the situation just because you don't want to participate in one aspect of it yeah because i think it's i don't think that's really strength i think you've got to still be in the situation still be around the people yeah and oh, okay, i don't want to drink well that will stand firm with that mm. that doesn't mean you should take the easy approach and just remove yourself from the situation and yeah. and i guess the relationships that are built through the the I guess with people having alcohol, you can still do that. But I think people, mm. 
feel the pressure to have the alcohol, to have those relationships. Yeah, I think 100%. I think that is a really big point that you sort of touched on. I think the guys that get ostracised at times is because they do pull themselves from the environment. And if I think about my own experience, like I went to every single event, I just didn't drink and stood pretty firm with like what I did. But Smoke bombed. When yeah, <laughs> yeah, smoke bombers are <laughs> yeah, starting to get late. But no, nah, I think, yeah, enjoy the company and stuff. But I think that's such a pivotal thing is like if you've got a direction in life, like don't let people sway you by mm. their beliefs and their behaviors like you can still hold firm to what you want to do and still socialize with people and become mates with people but if you know what makes you feel good and you've got a direction and a goal in life like don't just like change path because someone else is telling you to do something it really all does come back to just knowing yourself Mm. and knowing your values and knowing who you are and what you stand for because then no one else can tell you who you are what you're supposed to be what you're supposed to be doing Mm. if you are just so ingrained in who you are and you know what you are and what you're all about, like no one else is going to be able to change you mm. or, or switch you around in their own projection. Like yeah. you just won't get sucked into it. What other people think of you is none of your business. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So I feel like I know your response to this, Corey, but if you went into a new footy team mm. and I asked you, would you rather be liked or respected? Yeah, definitely respected. I think respect for men is such a big thing as well. Um, I think females as well. We've spoken about this once before, but respect is almost how men feel loved. Um, and I would rather be respected at a club. Um, you know, I think as well, like we get it wrong sometimes in our head around what we think it's going to be. And most people would respect you if you said, I don't drink and I hold firm to that. I think you actually lose more respect if you try to fit in and try to just do something that goes against who you are and, mm. It almost, yeah, that's almost less than if you just said no at the start or if you just said I drink at the start and went with that. So mm. I think someone that changes their identity just to fit in with other people is almost the lowest form. And not to be harsh on people because I know it's tricky at times, but yeah, I think that's one of the big ones and it's a really quick way to lose respect for yourself. Mm. Big time. Nice answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whack. <laughs> <laughs> Drop mic. Yeah, no. Nah. With... Um, masculinity i feel like when we are talking about males opening up and being vulnerable uh, uh, good that we have sancha here for like the women's perspective mm-hmm. but i feel like in society there's i feel like women might have this or some might have this belief that it's like a zero-sum game that like if we talk about the male problems it sort of takes away from all the issues that women face and because like men have been dominant for so long that like we oh like they've had it too good for too long. We shouldn't be addressing their problems. But if we address the problems for men, it's going to benefit women and society. Mm, yeah, this one's a can of worms a little bit. I reckon. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? Actually, first and <laughs> foremost, as a female, I just think everyone has problems. Everyone's got issues to some leveling degree, and you've just got to get good at navigating your own stuff, so you're then able to help other people with their stuff, and. Feminism is like a whole can of worms <laughs> right there. Personally, I think obviously I actually don't think men and females are equal in a way. They're different energies. Like if you're looking at it from an energetic perspective, we're not equal. Mm. It's yang energy and yin energy. They're different. And so trying to say like I, I oh, it's such a can of worms, but I just think like obviously treat everyone with respect with care and i'm always going to say it come back to love because it's the highest vibrating emotional frequency there is come back to that and just make your actions aligned with those values and 
it'll become a much nicer world. Yeah, I think at times, <laughs> some, some, yeah, it's a tricky one because you're obviously not trying to cause a riot on the podcast. But um, no, that's what I think, about. yeah, I think one of the issues at times is, especially with femininity, is like we we've got it wrong in the past, and like we've highlighted that as a society, the opportunities and stuff that we're given probably weren't appropriate. But the issue is now is when there's a minority group that's trying to push for something higher. They go to the extreme to try and achieve it. They mm. go to the extreme for the examples and what's being pushed. So it creates like more of an imbalance almost as we fight for equality. So mm. that's kind of the issue at times. And I think the point that you're sort of making there is then sometimes men's problem do get swept under the rug a bit because it's like, oh, you've had the line like for so long. But it's about coming back to that sort of equilibrium and going like everyone's got issues here. We, we've and started to like almost dehumanize each mm. other through video games where you're just like mm. killing and shooting people. Like mm. literally that's the conditioning that like we've gone through and when you can come back to realizing everyone's human, everyone's a person, they've all got feelings and emotions and everyone's trying their best, like it's going to make it a lot easier just to navigate through all of that. There's this really awesome lady called Teal Swan. She's on Instagram and she talks a lot about this and like patriarchy and feminism, but from like a very neutral perspective. And she talks about how she goes on a lot of stages to speak. And oftentimes there's a man that will help her up the staircase to get onto the stage and she'll say, I always take that man's hand to get onto the stage to like help me up. Can I walk up the stage myself? Yes, of course I can. Of course I can walk upstairs. But she takes the hand of the man to help her up there because that's the kind of energy that she wants displayed from men. Just that healthy, grounded support. But of course, as females, we know that we can, we can do it. Like mm. we can, but it's exhausting to try to do it all and have no support behind us. Mm. Big time. I think as well, like, I think on that too, like, it is such a big one for females to create the space to allow men to be able to work through that. Yes. The issue is when women are fighting for femininity and they almost have this toxicness towards males, they're not creating the space. Not helping anything to hate on men. I'm sorry, it's yeah. really not. It's never going to bring us closer together and create a fairer world by mm. just hating on men creates just a divide i suppose it does, so it's yeah. such a can of worms and you can go like so many different ways on it but i mean that's the thing like there'd be arguments for both sides around all sorts of stuff and it's just kind of a back and forth it's around but the way if, of solving is just meet in the middle you know? yeah if you've experienced a lot of wounded masculine energy though and i'm talking like super toxic masculine energy of course you're going to have resentment and feel like men are unsafe that's when it's time to do the work and realize like not all men are unsafe mm. or toxic yeah. Agree. Such a big one. Yeah. <laughs> and social media doesn't help, does it? Because I feel no. like if someone has, for anything, if someone has one experience, then they'll just find like, like-minded like people who've gone through the same thing on the internet mm -hmm. and just the confirmation bias. And then yes. they get this like all men are evil and yeah. or all mm. women are whatever, like that sort of generalizable beliefs from just one single experience. Yeah, big time. Um, so hour in, let's um, we'll wrap it up with a with a quote. Which what's your favorite quote? Favorite quote. I, I, I did I did originally send in the message for a quote. Yeah, a little quote as well. Now we're gonna think come of it to on me. the spot, which is good. Um, I like David Goggins' one around. I want to be uncommon amongst uncommon people. Is 
probably my favourite quote. Say it again. What, is it, what does that mean? So I want to be uncommon around uncommon people. So oh, yeah. it's about basically like in the group of the elitists, I want to be like, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to just be average. I don't want to be just be great. I want to be the best of the best. I mean, oh, yeah. That's, that's good. I like that. It drives me and it's a good one now. Yeah. So that's mine. That's not Now bad. far away. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said it before. I'd say it to everyone. Through feeling comes healing. Mm, if, yeah. if people can actually get that in their brains, like if I can feel my emotions, I will be able to heal myself. Like the work is half done mm. if you just feel through what you need to feel through. That's a big thing, isn't it? Mm. Actually going through the feelings and the experience. Yeah. Because mm. I feel like a lot of the time in the self-development world – we sort of intellectualize emotions. Yes, we do. And we start to try and – I'm guilty of this as a th- overthinker. Like you start to try and reframe everything and try to, like I said, intellectualize it rather than actually feel it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Like where does the emotion show up in the body? Like notice if you're feeling anxiety, where is it in the body? Like get mm. into the body and really feel it. Corey always says, like, massage that spot. Yeah, it's a great way of doing it is just breathe into, like, the emotion that's actually in there and it can, like, alleviate it by up to 50%. It's mm-hmm. been proven in you know, labs and stuff and people have spoken about it. But when you're feeling an emotion, actually just, like, close your eyes, which can sometimes be the scariest thing. Like, when you're anxious, the last thing you want to do is actually get within your body because you're almost scared of being within your body. Mm-hmm. When you can actually just close your eyes, start to breathe, and actually sort of massage the area – you don't need to attribute like the thought behind the emotion. Like you don't need to dive into why the emotion's there. You actually just need to like allow it to feel and allow it to be there because emotions are human. Like anxiety isn't some like unknown thing. We all have anxiety. It's a response to tell you like what's going on within your body to tell you that you're either about to fight or you're about to run or you're about to freeze, like whatever it is. Like that emotion serves a purpose. Anger serves a purpose. Sadness serves a purpose. And being able to regulate that and allow it to come up is human at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, totally. Just give yourself space to cry. A lot of us are always avoiding or distracting. Mm. Like most of the time we're either avoiding an emotion or we're distracting ourselves from an emotion. So becoming aware of that and going, okay, I actually just need to put all stimulus away and sit with myself and breathe. And like, what am I feeling? Like what's there? And just allow the tears to fall. Through feeling comes healing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Does does that really help? Because from my personal experience, it's so much easier said than done. Mm -hmm. Um, So how do you get yourself to do something like that in the moment when when all you want to do is try and avoid or distract and alleviate sort of that tension through some other means rather than feeling it? Yeah, I think practice it in the moments when you aren't feeling that way is one of the big ones that I found. Um, I think everyone tells you, like, when you're anxious and stuff, you know, like, oh, just breathe and stuff. And I'm, I used to say the same thing, like, oh, fuck off. Like, it's not, it's not that easy. Like, if it was that easy, anyone would do it. But I think learning to drop into yourself as well when you're not just feeling, like, heavy emotions. Like, you know, drop into yourself right now and actually feel, where do I feel the happiness within me right now? And what does that feel like? Or... Where do I feel just the neutralness right now and how does that feel like? What does peace feel like? And then as you start doing that, you start learning to regulate all emotions and when you get into the heightened states, you'll be able to take them on as well. Sometimes you'll fail miserably and it won't be that easy and then, yeah, look to some other things. Go get a massage. Go do something that makes you happy. But just practicing that and persevering with it eventually will start to alleviate that and make it so much easier. I use use a lot of music. Mm. Like if I know that... I'm feeling kind of sad. I'll either watch a sad movie to get the tears flowing Mm. 
or I'll listen to a sad song that helps me just to get a bit sad for a moment because I'm like, I know that I need to release some tears. It's actually how you regulate your nervous system through crying. Mm. So allowing the tears just to come up and then I do a lot of journaling. I think journaling is an amazing practice that helps you to release whatever's in the mind onto a piece of paper so you can read it back and then reframe it. Um, but just, yeah, giving yourself that time and space to really feel into it. And it takes practice. The breath is amazing. And eventually you'll learn to do it. Mm, definitely. Yeah. So how does going into the emotion, like, cause couldn't that lead to a rabbit hole if you're sad and then you're listening mm, to sad music? That's when you need a circuit breaker because you obviously want to give yourself that. Maybe I'm a bit logical with it, but I try to give myself like, all right, maybe 20 minutes to an hour a day where it's like, what am I feeling today? How am I feeling? Like what's here? And then once I've sat in it and I've been in that emotion, sometimes it takes longer than an hour if something awful's happened in life and it's been a bit of a rock the boat moment. Like I'll let myself have like the whole afternoon off, which is quite feminine to just like be in that flow state of like, okay, I'm going to give myself like three hours just to be in it and just to feel it. Like Mm. you can let yourself get stuck in that for a little while, like go into it. And then the circuit breaker comes where you change the song or you have a cold shower or you go to a new environment or you light some incense and you use the senses to sort of ground you back into the present moment. I think just also like the safe space, support network. And honestly, I don't think the rabbit hole is that big a thing. Like if there's emotion there that keeps taking you into other emotions that need to come up and like you could be bawling your eyes out for five hours, but just dive in. it's not going to last forever. Like no emotion is just going to stay there constantly forever, especially if you dive into it and you actually feel it. So I would almost welcome a rabbit hole that just allows it to just keep coming up and coming out of you because it's healthy to be expressed, but obviously just make sure you're in a safe space where you can feel like you can feel that emotion and know in your heart as well that it is just emotion, like it won't affect you and there's ways of navigating it. Always. Time heals, like it just takes time sometimes. Yeah. So you feel like if you go through those emotions, you sort of healed then from whatever unique experience that it is stemming from? You've taken off a layer. Yeah, a layer. I think there's always going to be, you know, angst. For instance, like when someone passes away and it creates sadness, like the sadness is never gone. Like if you think about that, there's always probably going to be a moment of like, oh, I've said about that, like I miss that person. But it takes off the edge layer by layer, I think. You know, I was someone that experienced massive anxiety and I don't not have anxiety today by feeling into my emotions. I'm just a lot better now being able to go, right, like what's this actually about? Like what am I actually feeling? going into that a bit, letting that sort of come up and then letting it pass through. It, because emotions are, you know, we all have emotions. They're always going to be there. They're always going to come up. Just because of the experience, it doesn't mean that it's always going to be gone. I think just the way that we react and we manage it is probably what's going to change. Things like trauma and stuff, like once you start working them and diving them, it just makes it easier. But it's never going to be a thing that you're going to completely let go of and just forget. It's more something that you're going to learn to be able to regulate properly and maybe just accept after yeah. a while. I think we're always going to be healing to some degree. Like you're never fully 100% healed. Like life's going to happen and you just get better at regulating your emotional state and, yeah, navigating through it. Big time. All right. Well, love those insights and thanks for coming on. Any concluding thoughts? I think just like starting the conversation is a big one that comes to mind out of this. Like definitely welcome – I'm appreciative of you allowing us on the show to talk about this stuff because, yeah, like-minded people that are trying to spread a positive message at the moment, I think it's such a a big thing in society. And I think young people as well, like it's awesome that yourself and, you know, some people that we 
we know at the moment young people that are having the conversations because we live in a different time like we live with technology we live with different social standings the way that we socialize you know it's such so different to what it used to be Mm. and i think the way that we understand it and our perspective on it is always going to be so different to the 40 or 50 year old psychologist so Mm. i think it's so important for young people and as you said before like we're probably going to lead the way with this and start setting the foundations for what we want it to look like in the future for people. So mm. I think just starting the conversation, feel like you can have a voice and, yeah, chatting's the first way to, yeah, start yeah. making it happen. I think, yeah, everyone's an expert in, through their own experience mm. and just know that, like, whatever people have been through, it's valid and you're allowed to talk about it to those safe people that allow you to express yourself. Um, and also I tell people, like, we are multifaceted human beings. We've talked a lot about mental and emotional health today, but there's also spiritual health too. Mm. And so just like cleansing your environment, cleansing your space and really protecting your energy like we spoke about before is so important. Um, and if anyone wants a self-development book, The Power of Now mm. is one that everyone should read. Yeah, it's, good. it's a good one. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> thanks again. Thanks Appreciate for coming it, on. Nah. Thanks, thanks very much. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening. I genuinely love this chat. They are very knowledgeable in this area and I got a great vibe from both of them. There is lots to take away from this episode. If you feel like this area really resonated with you, then please check out their podcast, which I have added in the show notes below. Thanks for listening again and I'll see you on the next one. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.